The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Welcome to the Red Parade, which is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor on this Tuesday edition as Matt Connor is holding up the glorious boxes that hold. I have no idea what they hold, but he's holding boxes. I I appreciate everyone who's listening right now. Everyone in the chat already. Brian, Levi Parrish, who says, I am y'all's biggest fan. Please respond. Levi, I'm responding right now to Cole. Hey, all. And to guys on Twitter who responded who I promised a shout out to shout out to uh, at Gartman 1242. Uh, appreciate all y'all listening, hanging out with us. We are about to have some fun. Maddie C. What do you got in those boxes? Yes, sir. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm holding on to things that don't matter. I'm doing my best Bengals fan impersonation. Uh, and so I'm sorry, my hands are full. Let me set these aside and then we can get down to business. Yeah. Who gives a shit about your regular season victories? Let's get into it. Uh, while Bengals fans are sitting at home with their players. Uh, how are you today, man? I set up that joke. I, I like thought way ahead on that joke, by the way. I hope it was appreciated. That was the greatest thing you have ever done. I mean, it's not a super high bar, <laughs> but really I mean, I mean it, it's about a shin high bar. A lot of people get tripped <laughs> over that, but you got over it, man. You, you got over that thing. It really is low. It really is low. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great to be here. Great to be back. Um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. A lot of our talking, however, we want to do with our guest. We have a special guest today. What I love about this type of time of year is that we often bring on guests. Uh, sometimes we get some former Chiefs players, coaches, current prospects, players, whatever. Uh, but I also love bringing on uh, some of our great contributors at Arrowhead Addict. Like so much of our site success is about the great writers that we have there who give their great opinions. And man, ever since we added Lucas Straczynski, uh, he's just been so good um, at bringing great timely analysis. Uh, if you've read AA at all in the last year, you've probably read um, a lot of Lucas's stuff. Uh, so uh, we asked Lucas to come on board today. He's going to be joining us for uh, the first half of the show. Lucas, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm right here. <laughs> there he is. Welcome, Lucas. How you feeling, man? How you feeling about being on the podcast? Oh, uh, really nervous. It's kind of different to be on this side of the this side of the live stream because for the first like six months I was associated with AA or longer than that. I was just a fan. I was in the I was in the comment section. I was just goofing around in the just in the live chat and then into the Discord. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden some guy named Matt Connor DMs me on Discord asking me to join the team. And here we go. It's been I think my I think it's almost my one year anniversary. Hey. Since, well, since, that's since great. my first post. So hey look, it's been it's been great to have you aboard. You've been you've been great from the beginning. It was it was easy to ask you because you always just had even great things to say in the comments so uh <laughs> yeah we're looking forward to, to the show here which by the way the way you described it like goofing around and whatever i mean that's all we do on this side i like i hope that's very clear that that there's really no difference between us and some commenters is that yeah, right I sterling i don't am i i think we're more like uh, am i selling you short i'm sorry uh, I'm, I'm, tom cruise Stephen a smith but with better takes of course mm-hmm. um mixed with Pat McAfee if he never had a bad take uh, along those lines. But yeah, besides that, <laughs> besides, besides all that, besides all that sprinkled in with some Jim Rome, of course. Mm, I love Jim Rome. Yeah. I, I love angry drunken German says with glasses like that. I trust his math skills kind of has that Lamar hunt thing going on. That's See, funny. You're, that's you're funny I'm an I mean, that's funny because I'm an engineer by day. So works out perfectly. It's one of the jokes my dad used to make fun of me all the time was, just have having these dumb glasses and I was always really good at math. So makes sense. So I, I'm actually more flattered by the Lamar Hunt comment. So I'll take it. Love Instead it. I look like, suddenly I look like a younger Lamar Hunt. I'll take it. So yeah, man. Yeah. Own it. Own that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive in. There's, there's actually a lot to get to. We're talking chiefs roster battles today. Um, and we'll get to that in just a second, but bef- before we do, you know, earlier today, Jamar Chase, Dropped a comment, um, just referring to you know Joe Burrow and his future deal, 
as, you know, hey, you got to pay the guy. Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in the game, blah, 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 blah. At, you know, our own Charles Robinson, who was on the show just last week, wrote about it. You can see that at Arrowhead Addict. But I bring this up to say, um, it makes me wonder, would you call this the NFL's best rivalry right now? Bengals Chiefs. Like, would you would you buy that or would you sell that? I'd probably buy that. I mean, what other options are there? We go to the NFC. The NFC has been constantly turning over. There's been a lot of change, not really a lot of consistency because the top teams right now are the Eagles, 49ers. They've only met once in the playoffs in recent years. And we all, we all know how that went. Christian McCaffrey is playing quarterback in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and there's just not a lot going on in the NFC because the recent champions to come out of there have been the Bucs and the Rams. Those two, those two teams are gone. They're done. And so there's nothing really going on in the NFC. And Brady's been gone in the AFC for a while. No Roethlisberger. It's really the best quarterbacks are really the, the young ones, the fresh ones, the new ones. So I would say if you're going to go with best rivalries, you have to put Mahomes in there and the Chiefs because who else? And then, I, then the next best option is the Bengals because some people, some people's definitions of rivalries are different. My definition is it's competitive games. The teams hate each other, but also at the same time in their series of games or matchups, there's always a different winner. Like the granted the chiefs are one and three, but they won one of the two games that was most important, but the Bengals have beaten the chiefs in the playoffs. Chiefs have beaten the Bengals in the playoffs and there's a mutual hatred and almost a lack of respect between mm-hmm. certain of the players. So I would say by default, it has to be Bengals chiefs, but I'm open to other options. I have some others written down. I'm with it. I, I'm hundred percent with it. I don't think the Cowboys and Eagles while historically sure at this current moment in 2023, no chance. Uh, I think the giants and jets is going to be fun this year. That's one of the games I'm actually looking forward to most outside of the Kansas city chiefs because they play each other once every four years. And by the way, how often those teams face each other in a competitive atmosphere where both are expected to at least vie for a playoff spot. Uh, by the way, just quick tangent, I, I want to make sure everyone knows this. Both of those New York teams play in Jersey. New York likes to claim it's the greatest city in the world. How can you be the greatest city in the world when two of your teams play not only a city over, but a damn state? They're a bunch of liars. How dare you, New York? You got great pizza, and that's all you have going for you. <laughs> Kansas City is where it's at. Okay, kick rocks. Um, back to where I'm, I'm talking about the actual rivalries. I, I think you can make the case for Chiefs, Bengals, Chiefs, Bills, Chiefs, Broncos. No, I mean the Chiefs have beaten the Broncos every single time since 2015. So going by Lucas's, uh, you know, hit, hit the standards there, you have to be a little, at least a little bit of back and forth. The Broncos have been two scoops of ass. They've been horrendous. The Raiders, no, they've been a little bit of back and forth, but the Raiders have had zero playoff success. The Chargers, kind of the same boat. So when you look actually in your own division, the AFC West, those three teams, yeah, on a one-off case, you have this anger, this hatred, this um, the, the, the funness of beating those, but there's no real – nothing really matters in the grand scheme of things beating those three teams. What matters is beating the Bills and beating the Bengals. So I think for this case and this study right now, I say the NFL's best rivalry in 2023 is Chiefs-Bengals. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Is this the worst time for rivalries in the NFL? Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking seven to ten years ago, you had Brady-Manning. And you always wondered whether, like Manning, like even though Brady was the more decorated or or had the most stuff, at least there was Manning, or at least like it felt like there was much more parity. Now it feels like there's the Chiefs, there's a bunch of teams who are trying to topple the Chiefs, mm. and then a whole conference with nothing. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying the NFL is worse. I mean, I'm appreciating the Chiefs and nobody else basically, but in terms of a rivalry, I'm really going to buy into. It's maybe the Bengals Chiefs, and then there's like everything else is laughable to me. So I'm in terms of like the NFL having these great rivalries right now, they really don't, at least not until some of these quarterbacks mature and like get a greater body of work underneath them. I I think you're understating the Bills just a little bit. I don't think it's to the same extent as the Bengals, but I think the Bills are still considered that rival as well they haven't had the playoff success but obviously the game where they went back and forth up into the wire that was one of the greatest games i've ever seen in my entire life that was a phenomenal game the 13 seconds game um you take nothing away from the bills in that one the chiefs just came out ahead Uh, i'm with you to an extent it's the chiefs than everyone else but i think it's chiefs 
Bills and Bengals are still right there. Uh, in the NFC, you have, I would say, the Eagles who are right there. Then you have a pretty big drop-off. You probably have the 49ers. Uh, you might go with the Chargers. You might go with the Dolphins. You might go with the Jags. You might go with the uh, um, Detroit Lions, maybe. Right? That's what I'm saying. I, I'm with I mean, you. Look, a decade ago, you had really good entrenched rivalries kind of all around in different places, including in the AFC West. Like, much more parity. You're like, okay, man, when these two teams go, who knows how this is going to turn out? And now it's like, you know how it's going to turn out, which – we we all love it, but in general, the NFL. If you're talking great rivalries, it's kind of boring right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's right. It, it's it, right now. It's the Chiefs. Chiefs' conference. They own it until right. until somebody beats them again. They they own it. I mean, yeah, the Bengals got them once, but three of the past four Super Bowls have been re- for the AFC have been represented by the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have been to five straight conference championship championship games at home. That's not only, not only just playoff success, but that means they're dominating in the regular season because they're always getting a top two seed and they're always winning enough in the regular season to earn to earn home field advantage. It's not like they're coming out of the five or the six seed and just getting hot in the playoffs. No, they're dominating in the regular season as well. And until somebody beats them, like again, I don't really I don't want to hear it. The only to me for me, this is just my little thing. The only team in the NFL that has a right to talk down to the Chiefs right now is the Bengals. And that's because yeah. they beat the Chiefs in a relevant game. In the past yep. couple of years, is look at the Chargers and the Bills. I don't, I genuinely don't care that they beat them in September and October. I don't care. Beat us in January. Then if you don't, be quiet. Like, and, and then you got the Bucks. The Bucks are done. The Bucks with the Brady, the Brady Bucks said something, but right now it's Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Who cares? Eagles can't say anything. So right, right. now it's, it's, it's just the Bengals because like nobody's beating the Chiefs. I mean, like, so how, how, they have no rivalries. It's just, I think I saw angry drunken German said it's just victims. I mean, until somebody beats them, it's there's no there's no rivalry because that's why I mean the chart I mean the, we like to think the Chargers are their rivals. Yeah, there there have been fun games. Herbert's only beaten Mahomes once, like because I think everyone's perception of that is more from that one game week week three of last year or 2021 that it's all of a sudden it's competitive. When no, it's not. The Chiefs swept him last year, and in a must win game week 15 of 2021 on the one on that incredible Thursday night game, the Chiefs came out on top. Like it's not really a rivalry, and the Chargers haven't done anything in the playoffs. Like I, it's it's the same old joke. Everyone keeps anointing the Chargers before they've done anything, and they're not the Chiefs' rival until they actually either beat them out for the division or go further in the playoffs. And even then, if they don't go to a Super Bowl, who really cares? Like what I find fascinating is you have the Chiefs of the one, you have the Bengals, Bills two, three, and I think th- that's your upper tier. But that next level down is really growing. Uh, the Jets going all in right now, bringing in Aaron Rodgers, but also bringing in, you know, Alan Lazard, bringing in whatever you think about McCall Hardman, right? But they brought in another uh, veteran wide receiver to, to pair him and give uh, Rodgers something. Their defense, we all know, is electric. It's probably the best in the NFL or second best behind the Eagles. You look at the Ravens. They, they won 10 games last year. They made the playoffs last year. They decided, you know what, we're not blowing this thing up. We're going to try to run it back whether that's the right decision or wrong based on that contract remains to be seen, obviously, but they said, we're not going to blow it up. We have Lamar Jackson. If he's healthy, that's a 10 win team. Uh, You have the uh, Jaguars who won a playoff game. Uh, They're probably about a 10 win team. You have the chargers who are probably about a 10 win team. The Steelers have a pretty good roster outside of quarterback. Who knows what's Kenny Pickett? Who knows how good he's going to be? I mean, there's a lot of that next tier of the what ifs and I'm pretty intrigued, and it also just shows how deep, how good, and how talented the AFC is compared to the NFC. I don't think we've ever seen parity, or should I say, I don't know how to describe it, so, so much differential between one conference and the next because yeah. this is incredible. I mean, the, the 10 best quarterbacks in the AFC, you may only make the case for two in the NFC that could crack the top 10. Jalen Hurts are you throwing Dak Prescott? Are you throwing Kirk Cousins? Are you throwing Jared Goff? You throwing a Matt Stafford? I mean, there's not really anyone in the NFC. It's wild. Yeah, that's just the way she goes. It's totally wild, right? And then, and then look at this year's big quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson stays in the AFC, the Colts. Uh, you know, CJ Stroud stays in the AFC, the Houston Texans. You, you know, even Will Leavitt, you know, going to the Titans in the second round, if you want to believe something there. Uh, by the way, Carolina, if Bryce Young hits, if he hits like a number one pick, and you hope they, you hope he does for the kid's sake, they're going to have the best quarter. Like, 
he's automatically going to be like a top two or three quarterback in the NFC because it's so pitiful on that side of things. It's a straight ticket to the top there. That's for sure. I like Rocky Thompson really quickly. Rocky Thompson chat. Appreciate the chat. Uh, said the Steelers Ravens was one of the best rivalries in the not so distant past. Hate both teams, but it was a much watch game. They hated each other and they both had punishing defenses. Uh, I'm with you. That that was a great rivalry in the past. But I'll also say the Patriots and Chiefs, I thought was a pretty good one. I'm sure the Patriots are probably looking down on Kansas City and saying, that's great. You guys a couple of times in the regular season that do it in the playoffs. Maybe in that instance, the Chiefs were the Bills and the Patriots were the Chiefs, if you want to make the case there. Um, which is funny because the Patriots and the Chiefs actually play a primetime game this year, even with Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi as their starting quarterback. It just shows that the NFL is still trying to have that rivalry of the once great Patriots and the new great team in the AFC, the Chiefs, they're still trying to push that. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when I was thinking right before the show, like top rivalries in the NFL, one of the ones I had down there was Andy Reid versus Bill Belichick. Because mm. you can make a serious argument that in this, this, this century, the two best coaches in order are Bill Belichick and Andy Reid. Tom Coughlin's there maybe at three because he also has two Super Bowls. But there's, I don't think there's anybody whose resumes come close to Bill, to, to Belichick or Reed. So that was like one of the ones I had written down. And that's why I kind of theorized a couple, a couple of weeks ago that Patriot Chiefs could be on primetime because the NFL wants that Andy Reed, Bill Belichick storyline. Cause it, if Andy Reed gets another Super Bowl, then all of a sudden it's, he's one step closer to Bill Belichick. I know everyone thinks about Patrick Mahomes getting closer to Brady. Andy Reed's getting closer to Belichick. And I, I'm not a Belichick hater, but a lot of his, his doubters think, oh, it's more Tom Brady because he's had he's had he's had literally no success without Tom Brady. And he he's, a success without Pat- he's a bad GM. Well, let's just say how it is. He, if he had a good GM with him, who, who knows? Because outside of Tom Brady, outside of Gronkowski, yeah. they've not drafted very well. That's what it comes down to. They haven't been able to draft receivers. And that's kind of the problem. It's kind of my my taboos. I, I'm not a believer in coaches serving as GMs. I do believe they have to be separate things because that's what happened with Bill O'Brien in Houston. As soon as he took over the de facto GM duties, that's when they went downhill because as a coach, he, he didn't care about the managing the assets. He cared about who's on the team right now. So they trade two firsts and give a giant contract to Laramie Tunsil decimates their draft capital. And then, then they move on from DeAndre Hopkins. Like they get David Johnson a, a second. I mean, seriously, like, yeah, and then and that's been kind of his problem because I saw I forgot who it was. This is a while back. Said Bill Belichick, the coach is probably the best coach in the league. Bill Belich- Bill Belichick, the GM, is at best below average. Yeah, like oh, but that's, I, that, I would one hundred percent agree. But that's the problem. That's been the problem with the Patriots is he's kind of gained garnered way too much power in that organization because of all the success, and now we're seeing cracks. Like offense, their offensive coordinators last year were Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I mean, seriously. Like yeah. that, th- those are, those are, I mean, that's why I'm still kind of a believer in Mac Jones. I mean, Matt Patricia, who was a defense defensive coordinator five years ago, and then Joe judge, a failed head coach, who was a special teams coordinator before he went to the giants. Th- those two were running the offense. And I, this, I'm, I can't say this with confidence with so much confidence, but I think Bill Belichick just hired him as the coordinators. Cause he knew him and he was familiar with them and they were his friends. And that's been kind of an issue is he's been let, letting his personal feelings and opinions affect his judgment well guess what bill o'brien's back so there you go <laughs> i got a quick little story i was on a business trip to boston and one of the presenters of my company claims to or was is good friends with devin mccordy of the patriot or i think he just retired but devin mccordy we all know him he's a star safety for the patriots he, he she asked him one question what happened with brady and belichick why did brady leave and she said you gotta listen you gotta do what bill says you gotta listen to bill and i think that's what happened he he became almost like a dictator he became too powerful. And that's what happened is what if you're too reliant on one person, this entire ship will go down. That's why, that's why I respect the Chiefs so much. Yeah. Cause Mahomes has a lot of power, but there's also Andy Reid. There's also Brett Veach evening out the power. And there's a good dynamic. There's a healthy dynamic going on. Yeah. The Patriots were winning, but it wasn't exactly healthy. It was just a lot of luck. Yeah, because they were in an easy division and they had Brady. I'm not going luck, but I will say the three yeah. branches of government. You have to have the three branches of government. The Chiefs have that with the quarterback, the head coach, and the GM. We're going to go GM, head coach, and owner. But the Chiefs have a very nice structure. Uh, it's been documented, and I do think that that plays into their success, their long-term success, and hopefully it keeps everyone on the same page.
let's get into the bigger Ross's battle, uh, battles at present. We're obviously doing this podcast on May 16th. A lot can change from now until the start of the season, until OTAs, until training camp. We understand. This is fun. Let's do this on, on May 16th. Connor, I will start with you. Backup quarterback. Backup quarterback. What are you thinking here? Yeah, you know, we uh, you know, we made a list of these like top top battles. And I think this is going to be one that everyone wants to watch because of the importance of the position, right? Shane Bouchel, it's really Shane Bouchel versus Blaine Gabbert. Um, you know, obviously any developmental arms aren't in real competition here for the number 2 quarterback. Yeah, to me this is all Bouchel. You know, it would, it would be a it would be a real minor, maybe even major upset if Blaine Gabbert were to be able to come in on a cheap one-year deal and outperform a guy who's been clearly groomed for the job, we've talked about that before, how he's, how he's occupied, you know, a roster spot all of last year as a healthy scratch. Um, Lucas, what's your take here on, on, do you think it's a pretty clear favorite toward Bouchel? I'd probably lean Bouchelle like maybe 55-45, but I'm probably a little bit closer to it being a true battle than maybe you are. It's, it's possible I'm wrong with that, but sure. I was I was kind of caught off guard by signing Blaine by them signing Blaine Gabbert. Granted, that was late in the process, so that could have just been insurance because after Bouchelle, there's really nothing like yeah. there's it's there's nothing there's nothing proven. It's possible they Reed was just thinking, hey, we we just need a veteran arm in the room just in case something someone goes down because if there was no Gabbard and Mahomes goes down, it's Bouchelle, and then who's the backup? And so it's right. possible they just wanted a veteran in there just in case. But to me, there's there's no way they carry three quarterbacks again in the regular season. To me, it's it's sink or swim time for Shane Bouchelle. He's entering year three in the NFL. If he can't, if the team doesn't trust him to be the quarterback two by himself with no quarterback three on the active roster, then when will it ever happen? I think it's possible Gabbard, if he's cut, will come back on the practice squad. But it's just a big commitment for the team to add a third quarterback on the active roster, taking away a potential defensive lineman, secondary player, wide receiver, wherever. And it, it's year three. It made more sense in year two because he was still developing, and you can make that argument. He needed more time. But he's in his third year. If he's not ready to be the backup by himself, I don't think he ever will be. And that that's why the Blaine Gabbard signing kind of concerned me a little bit. It shows they don't fully trust him. It's possible it was just insurance. But it, it's sink or swim time. If, if training camp comes around and, he, and he's not ready to be the backup, he, he never will be. And then at that point, I think you just cut your losses. You stick with Blaine Gabbert. He's an experienced backup. He backed up with Brady. He's been in the NFL for over a decade. But it, it's more or less, it, it, to summarize, it's a sink or swim time for Michelle. But I am leaning towards him right now. I like both dudes. This is hard for me. Um, I, a Mizzou guy, I love Blaine Gabbert. Uh, as a guy who was a Shane Bouchelle truther last year, I wanted him to be, to be the backup last year. So this is, this is a little diff- difficult for me. But I'm leaning Bouchelle as well. I think it's possible that the Chiefs just want Blaine Gabbert here for OTAs and training camp and maybe even the preseason. They cut him. And then if they need someone later on in the season to come in, just bar an injury, they're saying, hey, hey, Blaine, you know, you've been with us already. How about you come back in? They did it with Matt Moore, right? So you Matt know, the, Moore, yeah. Yeah, so I think that could be the situation here is they, hey, we're going to get you acclimated. You're not going to be on the roster, but we'll get you acclimated. We'll call you up if we need you during the season. That might be what this is about. Um, I wonder how much this is Brett Veach going, I want I want Shane Bouchelle to be the backup, and how much Andy Reid goes, yeah, well, I want a veteran backup quarterback. I want Blaine Gabbard. I want my Kevin Cobb. I want my Matt Moore. I want my Chad Henney. I wonder <laughs> if there's any of that going on here. We know how much Andy Reid likes his backup QBs, but Lucas, I would agree. It's time to shit or get off the pot if you're going to go with Shane Bouchelle or not. At some point, you have to either let him sink or let him swim. Yeah. Hey, let's talk final wide receiver spots here. Now, look, we don't need to even waste our time. Look, Marquez Valdez scaling, gonna have a job. Sky Moore, gonna have a job. Kadarius Tony, they're talking like he's the best on the whole roster. Uh Rushy Rice, you know, they're not gonna dump him. I'm assuming four spots are taken. Could even say Justin Watson's five. However, if we want to throw him in the mix, you got a lot of bodies there coming in, right? From the Rosses. Um, we have every Ross on the planet besides the the TJ Maxi thrift store, whatever that's called. That kind of Ross. And Diana Ross is the only Ross who is not currently in Chiefs camp. Um, you got Cornell Powell. You have Amir Smith-Marset. Uh, you got 
Even guys named Ty Freifogel, who I think has the best last name on the entire Chiefs roster. Uh, Lucas, I'm going to pitch this to you. Who are the receivers that round out that room when all is said and done? Yeah, I had pretty similar thoughts to you. I mean, Kadarius, Tony, Skymore, MVS, Rasheed Rice, unless they get hurt or something just completely disastrous happens, they're making the roster. There's no question about that. I had Justin Watson at about 90%. And then I maybe I missed it, but I think Richie James is still on the roster. I put him I think, Ooh, yeah. at about 70%. So I think those are the top six. It's possible Richie James is they they cut him because they because I'm not he's I don't think he's he's not the special teams guy that Justin Watson is so if he can't crack a clear cut top four receiver spot it's possible they they move on for him but I had him make the roster <laughs> he was your guy yep and then so I think those are the six but if they carry a seventh it's Justin Ross I'm not a Justin Ross guy like I know there's a lot in Chief, a lot of fans in Chiefs Kingdom who they're kind of on on his hype train but he went undrafted for a reason. Because a lot of fans saw, they saw mock drafts four years ago, way too early mock drafts. They saw him going like 20th overall, and they got him on draft and think they're getting the same guy. But he hasn't had a productive season since 2019. The last time he finished a productive college season, Patrick Mahomes had zero Super Bowls. <laughs> and I have re- I have serious concerns that his injuries have, they, they, he's a different player. Like, he's just not the same guy. I hope I'm wrong. But then John Ross is John Ross. Like, he went one pick before Mahomes. He's done nothing in the NFL. Cornell Powell, Emir Smith-Marset. They're just guys. They're not going to do anything. So I think Kadarius, Tony, Skymore, MVS, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, Richie James, those are my six. Maybe they carry a seventh one, depending if they make room. If they want to make room for either just – it'll probably be Justin Ross if they carry a seventh because all the other guys will make it through waivers and they can bring them back on the practice squad. But to me, th- those first six are the ones I think are going to make it. Is Justin Ross playing special teams, though? Either one of you. I mean – I. I don't think there's any, I don't even think there's special team value there. And, and so how, I just don't see that fit. I, yeah, I feel like Ross from friends has a better chance of making the chiefs than Justin Ross, but we bang that drum so hard. Have you it's seen crazy. him working out in shorts and a tank top? I know. Come on. I'd love to see it. I would love to see it because yeah. the story would be so good. It really would. But uh, you know, I also want to be a sensible I don't know. Maybe, whatever. Maybe I could hope. What's it hurt to hope? Betsy Ross, Randy Moss, Kevin Ross don't matter. Give me Richie James. <laughs> Richie James is where I'm going. Richie James makes the roster. I, I do think the reason why I think he takes those unnecessary hits off of Kadarius Tony. I think it allows Kadarius Tony to focus on being the best right, wide receiver one he can possibly be. I see Rick Ross now in the chat. Good one. A lot of Ross is going on. Um, but I do think that he takes those unnecessary hits away from Kadarius Tony. He fills that quote unquote McCole Hardman role. I think Richard James makes the roster. I think it comes down to Justin Watson, who frankly is very, yes, he plays special teams, but Justin Watson also is very, he kind of replicates MVS to a way. When, when you saw last year and MVS's snaps went down, who was getting those snaps? Well, it was Justin Watson. They're kind of a duplicate to an extent. I think Justin Watson's in more danger than folks are letting on. If he's in danger, then I do think it comes down to Justin Ross and Amir Smith-Marset. I think Amir Smith-Marset may be the guy who's being not talked about enough of making the final roster spot. But if I had to say right now on May 16th, those four, Watson and James, would be the six I would go with. Mm. What about offensive tackle? And this is Now this is – Really interesting to me. You got veteran, veteran. You've got rookie contract, rookie contract, so to speak. I think people forget how young Lucas Niang is. That he like that he's still two years left on a rookie deal uh, because he, you know, opted out that first year due to COVID in 2020. So, you know, his real rookie season was 2021. So that being the case, Donovan Smith, Jawan Taylor, Wanya Morris. Uh, you know, and then of course we have Prince Tega on the roster too. Um, Lucas, how do you see that shaking out? What's your, who's, who's the man out there? It's possible I'm reading too much into that, but when I saw the Donovan Smith signing that kind of like many, many fans, like raised an eyebrow because I was kind of confused what the, the deal was. Cause there was a lot of confusion when Jawan Taylor was first brought in. What is he going to play left tackle? Is he going to play right tackle? When they brought in Donovan Smith, that made, that made the answer very clear. He's only been a left tackle in the NFL. He, came in the NFL in 2015, hasn't played anything but left tackle. And granted, they didn't sign him for a lot of money. I think 
his guaranteed money is only like $2.8 million. So they don't have a huge commitment. So he could be cut, but I imagine he'll make the roster. And then Wanya Morris, of course, is going to make the roster. Those are the three. I don't foresee them carrying more than four tackles. Then it comes down to Lucas Niang and Prince Tega. That's your guy, Matt. And I, I wrote last week about offensive players whose jobs can be in jeopardy. And I put Lucas Niang in there just because I, I maybe I'm reading I'm reading too much into the Smith signing, but I think he's a lot closer to being on the roster bubble than maybe we're giving giving him maybe we're realizing. Because at that point, I think Donovan Smith, Jawan Taylor's making the team. If he gets he's not going to get cut, even if he's terrible, he's not going to get cut. Wanya Morris is not going to get cut. I don't foresee Donovan Smith not making the team. Then there's only one spot left. It's Lucas Niang or Prince Tega. I think Lucas Niang is the clear favorite, but they brought in Donovan Smith for a reason. Maybe that's possible. They, they don't trust either Jawan Taylor or Lucas Niang healthy and ready to go at left tackle, and that's why. Or they don't they don't trust Lucas Niang, period. Like they didn't want to put Luke, they didn't want to put Jawan Taylor at left tackle, put Lucas Niang at right tackle. It's possible that's either for ability reasons, they just don't think he's good enough, or probably the more likely they just don't trust his health. They just wanted another body in there, but then there's Wanya Morris. What are you going to do with him? Because he's clearly the fourth tackle at this point. So I don't think his roster spot is exactly as safe as maybe we're making it out to me. But I, I still I still believe in his potential. It just kind of sucks. He had a bad start to his career, opting out of 2020. I'm not going to hold that against him. But then that nasty injury end of 2021. I think it was a torn patellar. Yeah, that was a nasty. That's a nasty injury. That's it. Doesn't sound that bad when you hear it out loud, but when you actually look into it, that's a lot worse. He, 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 I don't think he dressed for a game until like around Thanksgiving last year. And he got injured in January of like, it, it took him almost 10 months to come back. So it's possible they don't trust his health, but I, I think I, w- I would sell my Lucas Niang stock if I was out there, even though I'm a fellow Lucas. So it breaks my heart, but <laughs> I, I, I think he's clearly the fourth guy between Smith, Taylor and Morris. Yeah. If I had a vote for president right now on in, in, in May 16th, 2023, Lucas Niang, I would be writing in because I am all in on Lucas Niang making this roster. Uh, I don't know why. I, I'm an idiot. Uh, not just for this, but I'm, a, I'm an idiot because I still believe in Lucas Niang. I, I think this is the perfect year to keep him because he can be your fourth tackle. I think Darian Kennard makes this roster as a guard. I think Darian Kennard is making this team as a guard. And so if Agreed. in an emergency, you need that fourth tackle or fifth, whatever it would be, fifth yeah. tackle, I guess, it'd be Darian Kennard. So I think you're looking at Wanya Morris, Lucas Niang, Donovan Smith, Jawan Taylor, and then Kennard as a guard. I think that actually leaves room to take a chance on Niang. Prince Teguinogo, I think, is probably the odd man out. I know Matt Connor is going to be devastated, although he still owes us a Prince Teguinogo jersey. I don't think I forgot. Connor, don't you think I forgot? You got like the memory of an elephant or something. Get out of here. Well, sorry. I mean, I, I, I'm I mean, a man yes, who remembers man. remembers things. I know. I I'm remember man, that thing. I'm a man of my word. So you have to buy that jersey okay. just for him to get cut. Dang it. <laughs> I mean, you might want to wait until he gets cut. You might want to – well, it's probably going to be a custom jersey either way. That's going to be an expensive yeah, – an expensive cool. bet slash joke you made. I know. I should have never done that. I don't know. You know, when you look back, though, and you look at those one-hit wonder guys, you, you look at those jerseys, and you're like, oh, remember that guy? Remember, remember Doug Mankiewicz on the Royals for that two seasons or Mark Jacobs? You're like, oh, yeah, look at that jersey over there. That's going to be you with Prince Tegumanogo. It'll it'll go down as a classic. Mankiewicz has such a great analogy there, too. That's so right on. That's so right on. I love it. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I think I think Winogo's out. I think Winogo's going to be a waiver claim for another team. I think he's shown enough promise to woo the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are way too deep, and they also can't afford to roll the dice with him like a younger team can um, who may want to give him some reps or maybe a higher spot on the depth chart. So to me, you know, he'll get floated and probably picked up. But you know what? Good for him. Good for him in that case because he, um, you know, he, he deserves a clear shot. Um, let's, go here to, let's go here to the final cornerbacks on the roster. And, and look, we already know it's same thing as receiver. Look, some of these guys, we don't need to, like, we don't need to talk about Legereus Sneed. We don't need to talk about Trent McDuffie. We don't need to talk about Jalen Watson and his ability to win two games on his own in the seventh, in, as a seventh round pick. Joshua Williams earned some starting reps last year and was already a developmental tackle. So, or, or a developmental corner. So clearly he's going to be on the roster. That's four. So what you have left there, right, is kind of an interesting mishmash. By the way, if I named like five of the guys who were rookie free agents there, you would just assume I like made them all up. 
like Anthony Witherstone or <laughs> Isaiah Norman. You're like, is this, are these chiefs cornerbacks or like Duke student name generator? Like, what is this? <laughs> like random names that you'd see in Madden, like in 2029 draft. Yes, totally. Totally. So who's coming away with those final spots? Either one of you want to take this one. I got a fun one. So obviously Legereus Snead, Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, they're locks. Um, because after that, it's really interesting. They don't really have a fifth like corner. You would trust to actually play cornerback. The, the other guys I would, probably lean towards special teams like Nick Jones, DiCaprio Boodle, Lamar Jackson, the cornerback, Lamar Jackson, the quarterback, and then the other guys. Um, but then here's the, here's the fun one. I think Shamari Connor's a corner in the NFL. Like it's going to, it's going to sound weird because he was a safety at Virginia tech, but he wasn't really a safety at Virginia tech. That was his listed position. But in 2022, 40% of his snaps were at slot corner in 2021, 65% of his snaps were at slot corner. And I saw one name floating around. It may have been Daniel Harms who mm-hmm. said this, but I, I, I don't want to m- miscredit someone. But it's possible they view him as the Legereus Sneed replacement. Because sure. this is kind of a similar story to what Legereus Sneed, what 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 we went through with Legereus Sneed. Everyone thought he was a safety coming out. And then, no, they moved him to corner. But with Connor, we have more – because I think Sneed was actually a corner his second to last year in school. Then they moved him to safety, and then the Chiefs moved it back to corner. Lucas, one pushback on that. While I agree with you a lot, and we've talked, because I actually was talking with Harms about this specifically. He did have five and a half sacks one year in college, yeah. Shamari Connor, right? So, so he can blitz like Legereus Sneed. The biggest difference is Legereus Sneed ran a, ran a four three. Shamari Connor ran a four five. That that's a pretty big difference, and it's noticeable when you watch those two guys play the speed differential. That was the biggest pushback we had when it comes to a Chamari Connor for Legereus Sneed type of replacement. It's like, that's great and all. They're both very versatile, but there's still a large gap in the athletic territory there. Yeah, and then Connor is also a questionable tackler. That was one of his main problems at Virginia Tech. But I, I, I just, I guess it's just so weird because after the top four guys, they don't have a fifth guy you trust to play pure cornerback unless they, they want to go all in on their safeties. And they want to put Justin Reed or Brian Cook down there in case they need depth because they have four guys, which theoretically is enough. But as we saw in the AFC Championship game last year, when Snead went down, you need to you need to be deep at corner. So I don't think you can go four deep. They have to go five deep, and it's possible the fifth guy is one of the safeties, and they perhaps the tr- they they trust one of them, or maybe it's Sh- it's Shamari Connor. And I'm not like dead set on that, but he played so much slot corner in college that I I do think it's possible they they view him as kind of like a mini Snead, but he just doesn't have the speed and his tackling is a problem. But I think that's I think that's on the table. Because I don't unless they really trust Nick Jones, who they took in the seventh round this year. Well, I mean, they trusted Jalen Watson they took in the yeah. seventh round last year. They trusted uh, Rashad Fenton in the Super Bowl, even who they took in the sixth round. If the Chiefs like you, it doesn't matter where you're drafted. They'll find a way to get you into the game. So do you think they keep nine or ten defensive backs total? Where do we think here? Well, let's, I mean, let's bring safeties into the conversation. That's here. what I'm trying to bring in. That, that's what I'm trying to bring in right yeah. now. So do you think it's nine or 10? Well, I, you know, what's interesting to me here, and I, I want to go back to the Connor thing, not only because he's a Connor, uh, and I just think he deserves more. We need more Connor coverage in this room as it is. Our Connors. That's all. I'm just trying to emphasize my last name. That's all. Uh, look, I, I think the Chiefs have five. They have, the Chiefs are, are five deep at safety. Like I think Dion Bush is a is a very good special yes. teams guy that deserves, um, you know, like Dave Tobe has to have his guys on the roster. You can't like not have them on the roster for the yeah, sake of that down. Yeah. You know, so what about Nazi Johnson? As KL points out in the chat, Nazi Johnson, underrated component to special teams. I mean, you're looking at so Mike Edwards, Brian Cook, Justin Reed. Um, Jamari Connors four, and then so Deion Bush. So it's, well, it's either going to be Deion Bush or Nazi Johnson, probably. I think it's going to be between those two guys are fighting for one spot. So then you're going to take five corners because you're going to have at least five corners. Lucas, I agree with you there, at least five. So that's 10 defensive backs total. Jamari Connor can play a little bit of both. I, I'm 100% with you there. I think you can put him in, in a pinch. I don't think you want him to play corner predominantly, exclusively, but I think you can put him at corner in a pinch. That gives you some versatility. So that leaves one guy at corner, specifically corner, that leaves either Nick Jones. That leaves DiCaprio Boodle. Uh, I think a guy who's underrated is um, is it Reese Taylor, the cornerback from Purdue that was an undrafted yep. free agent. Yep. His RAS, relative athletic score, is through the roof. But are you going to trust a guy who's that raw 
to be your fifth corner? I don't know. That's typically more of a sixth corner type of spot. So with the Chiefs carrying at least probably five safeties, that almost takes one cornerback spot away. Uh, I'm intrigued to see which way they go about it. I think if I had to pick right now, they'd probably lean DiCaprio Boodle just based on the they know what they have with DiCaprio. Nick Jones seems a little bit more like a um, you know a little bit of a wait and see. That Reese Taylor seems a little bit like a wait and see. DiCaprio Boodle, I think they trust enough in a pinch to go out there and make at least somewhat not not get too much exposed. I think even based on this conversation, I'll just make this a prediction. Unless someone rises up like Nick Jones, who I think probably has the best chance here. I like his length. I like the way he looked in that uh, rookie minicamp. I think there's really something um, – I think there's a go-get-it factor with him that may impress among the others. And we've seen Boodle kind of around. We've seen – I think a lot of those guys can kind of flame out instead. But if someone doesn't rise to the top, I think the Chiefs just flush them all to the waivers and then the practice squad. And I think they make a move for a veteran – to sign to go along with this really young group. That to me makes more sense for a Super Bowl contender than it does rolling the dice with Nazi Johnson to really try to make it work or whatever. Same time, Steve Cash in the chat says Veach likes to add a vet corner after cuts. That could not have been better time. And you guys on the same page are see, Arrowhead Attic listeners and commenters are geniuses. We've yeah. always said that. That's been the, that's been the the motto. I, I think that's it. W- one more word, Shamari Connor. The, remember, the Chiefs traded up. Uh, the Chiefs traded up in the second. The Chiefs traded up in the third. Then the Chiefs traded up just to move 15 spots in the fourth, half the fourth round, from 134 to 119 with the with the Vikings. They gave up a future fifth round pick. Like it just felt like a lot. It felt like you should just be able to move up by like I don't know. To me, it would have been like a sixth round or something. And but I don't know. Giving the future. It, it made me think, oh, they really liked this guy who probably had a third ground grade and was falling halfway through the fourth. And then they thought, okay, we got a guy with a day two grade halfway through the halfway through the opening round in the third. Let's go get him. And then the Vikings did well to to earn that credit and still stay in the fourth round. So if if Shamari Connor has a day two grade on him on that draft board. That's actually, I mean, that's a solid play, um, you know, because that's what they have with Legereus Sneed also had a day two draft grade per Brett Veach. So, uh, you know, we've seen what happens with him. He's going to he's gonna get a, a hefty deal, um, you know, from someone this offseason. So, uh, yeah, I, that'll be interesting to me to see what he brings because they traded um, to get him in that respect. Um. Hey, Lucas, let's go to you here for for edge rotation. It's the one position that we really haven't covered here that I think is among the top roster battles. You know, we obviously don't need to talk about George Karloftis. We don't need to talk about, um, you know, all the familiar guys in terms of like FAU or, um, or the others. But how do you think that roster battle is going to round out um, there out of training camp? I think the four locks are, as you mentioned, Carl Loftus, FAU, Mike Dana, Charles Amini, who he's kind of a tweener, but I classify him more as an edge guy. And then I'm – that's four right there. They're not going to carry six. I think they I think they go five, and I think they go B.J. Thompson. You don't think they carry six. They, they have traditionally carried yeah. four interior defensive linemen and then six edge rushers. So you think this year is going to be a little bit change? It's it's possible. I mean, because that's five right there. And then do they do, does Truman Jones, Josh Kando, Malik Herring, or somebody else emerge to take that sixth spot? Or because I think they have a versatile enough defensive line, like Dana and Amenahu in particular, they could play inside or outside. So I think it's possible they just they go with the ten best guys, and it doesn't really matter if they're interior or interior or outside. They just go with the best guys possible. And I think Karloftis, FAU, Dana, Amenahu. I think those four are definitely making the roster. There's no question about that. I think Thompson will make the roster because I think they brought him in knowing he was a project. Mm-hmm. He's a freak. Like he's just like the way he's built is just insane, and his speed is insane. He was incredibly productive at Stephen F. Austin. So I I imagine he makes he's going to make the team because they kind of knew the deal when they got him. He was a project from the start. So if they, it would have to be a really bad camp for him not to make it. So I think that's five. And then I don't know if we want to move on to the interior because I think it's I kind of consider it one big position. Because I think because I think that's how they're going to approach it. They're not going to say, "Hey, we want six edge guys, four defensive tackles." I think they're just going to go with the best group they can, 
And obviously you got to have a good balance, but I, it, it'll just kind of depend on who emerged from the interior. Cause I think it's possible they carry six edge guys because I, I like the depth that they're at, at defensive end a lot more than defensive tackle, because after the top four guys, they have a defensive tackle. There's it's Danny Shelton. It's just Danny Shelton. It's like Phil Hoskins. It's guys that I don't, I don't think they're really going to make the team. I, I'm not, I'm not, I was never a believer in Shelton when they brought him in last year. So I think it's possible they, they decided to keep either Truman Jones, Kane Dower Herring, and then they just, they just roll with four interior guys. Yeah, I'm rolling with Chris Jones, Naughty, Coburn, and Wharton on the interior because I, I do think who can play on the inside. I think Mike Dana can play on the inside. I think George Kerlux can play on the inside. So I do think they're going to keep uh, in line with the recent trends of four interior guys and six edge rushers. You mentioned the four. I'm with you with B.J. Thompson as the five. I do think they still bring in a veteran guy. I, I'm still pretty convinced Frank that I, I think Frank Clark is a viable possibility. I know a lot of folks would be upset because of the contract. I don't know what contract he's going to want. I don't know what kind of contract he's going to get. If I had to lay a bet on it right now, I think he, he ends up somewhere in Florida, either Jacksonville or Miami. And then I think the Chiefs are probably the the second best bet after those two teams. Uh, is it going to be a Marcus Golden? I don't know. Is it going to be a Carlos Dunlap? I don't know. But I still think a veteran edge rusher will eventually sign with Kansas City. It makes too much sense, especially with how long we all expect it's going to take for B.J. Thompson to really make an impact. Yeah, I mean, they didn't bring in Carlos Dunlap till July last year, so I, yep. I don't. I think they're. I don't think they're done at edge, and I don't think they should be because when it comes to defense, especially ed, defensive linemen and corners. I don't care who you are. You can never have too many good ones. The depth, you cannot have enough depth of those positions, especially because defensive linemen, they rotate out a lot. So we, we saw with the Eagles, you just got to keep them coming. You got to have almost two starting caliber units or at least one starting caliber one or good one. And then one that's at least solid. And those are your backups. And those are the most successful ones. So I'm never going to be opposed to them bringing in another good corner, another pass rusher. But whether who that is, is still remains to be seen, whether it's Dunlap or Frank Clark. BL, Kando's season is over. I don't know if Kando's season ever begun. You know, I, when the Chiefs picked up B.J. Thompson, where you know you're using one roster spot, active roster spot, on a guy who is a question mark at pass rusher, you cannot employ a second guy, especially in his third season, who's still a question mark at – I mean, like, like right now and maybe next month and – like. Like Kando probably has like the next two and a half months to do anything at all or else it's over. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see it. It's sink or swim time with him. Yeah. It, 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 it makes no sense for the chiefs to have two developmental guys that were just still, you know, you don't draft BJ Thompson unless you're like, I'm done with Kando. Give me a new guy like in that role um, to develop. And, and that's what they did. So to me, that's what makes the most sense. I also think we're not done shopping at defensive tackle. I just, I'm looking at that group and just thinking when I read Ndamukong Sue's words, he's like, look, I ain't coming to training camp, but in week one, I'll be ready for whoever wants to sign me. I'm looking at that going, yep, I'd rather have that and have him there in week one than I would Derek Naughty. I mean, how healthy is Turk Wharton coming in? Who knows? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm good for a signing there too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because for for my money, defensive tackles I think is their. This may sound weird. I think it's their weakest position overall because I I know Chris Jones is there, but when you think of the guys after him, well, if you take away Chris Jones, there's Turk there's Turk Wharton, who I think is okay. I'm lower on him than most people. Then there's Derek Naughty. I I'll do respect to him. He's been a great guy for the Chiefs. I'm not a Derek Naughty fan. Matt can attest in the slack when the Chiefs resigned him. I was. That was not a good day to be me. No, I'd kid a little, but I, but I, Derek Nunn, not super good. And then Keandre Coburn's a, he's a rookie. I mean, you can't rely on day three picks to be contributors. Yeah, it's great if they are. We saw with the corners, but you can't go into the season saying, we need the six round pick to be a contributor. We're in trouble because I, I know there was a debate. We had a debate last year, or I think it was Adam and Adam and Sterling. Who's the most, who's the second, who's the most important player on the Chiefs or the most important defensive player? That was that was it. I think it was between Steen and Jones. To me, it's Chris Jones. Because if Chris Jones goes out, the starting t- defensive tackles are Tershawn Wharton and Derek Naughty. Not super pleased about that because Turk Wharton's not much of a run defender. He's kind of built like Chris Jones. He's more of a pass rusher. Still good against, still decent against the run, but he's more built to be a pass rusher. And Derek Naughty, 
I'm going to try and be politically correct. He's not an NFL starting caliber player, in my opinion. And that's putting it very nicely because he, he's supposed to be a run stuffer, but he was very, he was very poor against the run last year. So if there's no Chris Jones, their opposing offenses are just going to exploit the interior of their defensive line unless they get creative with Omenehu or Dana. So I, I think they they got to add another guy. The problem is there's not a lot of quality guys out there because I'm not sure how much Nignamik and Sue has left in the tank. And then after that, it's just a bunch of question marks, whether do they have gas left in the tank period or do they have injury problems? Because like if they're unsigned well after the draft, odds are they're not – there, there's not many prime free agents left on the left on the street. There's going to be some baggage or problems one way or another. So that's one of the positions I was concerned about. And I'm surprised they didn't address it earlier, but they, they well, granted they tried to address it. They literally, it, it, it's on record. They tried to trade it for Mozzie Smith from Michigan and they, they didn't do it. So that they, it, it made it clear. It was clear to us. They know they had a problem there, but they just didn't, have, I guess they didn't have a chance to address it until Keandre Coburn. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't address everything you want. And, and certainly we, you know, we agree there, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We do, I think we all agree the chiefs aren't done shopping, but there are a lot of intriguing roster battles ahead. Fortunately, we've got all kinds of OTAs, mandatory mini camp and training camp in the preseason yet to come. So we may change a lot of our opinions between now and then. Um, Lucas Straczynski, you've been so kind to join us uh, on the show, Talking Chiefs. We actually took more of your time than we thought we would, but thanks so much for joining the show, sir. No problem. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Folks, if you um, if you are on Twitter, follow Lucas at Straczynski. That's with the Z, Straczynski Lucas. And, of course, you can read all kinds of his stuff at Arrowhead Attic, where we're pleased to publish um, his thoughts and his uh, analysis there. Um, so thanks so much. Yeah, I see Chris saying with what money you earn in some restructure when it comes to signing a guy, it would have to be a restructure at some point. And that's probably why Frank Clark at this point it would be on the outside looking in. There's a reason why they they would have tried to get something done because he's already on the hook for a $7 million cap hit, dead cap hit, no matter what. That obviously means he was not going to take the veteran minimum or else they would have tried to do that. But again, who knows on – he wouldn't take a veteran minimum deal on – what's that? Uh, April, but maybe he would take one in July. That's what it comes down to. We will see what his market holds. But before we go any further, we want to give a shout out to DraftKings. If you guys want to do us a huge solid, if you guys like to bet, go to DraftKings, use promo code Arrowhead. Bet five bucks on any sport, get 150 back and bonus bets instantly. Win or lose. That's code Arrowhead at DraftKings. New customers only tomorrow plus and physically present in Kansas. Please give a responsibly gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Oh, wow. Re- required. Tough word. It got me. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Arrowhead at DraftKings. Required. Got me. Man. It got me this time. I-, I was cruising through it, and that word just... I get it. I get it. Uh, Sterling, I have a I have an interesting question for you based on what's happening tonight. But first, just to get to a couple comments here. Uh, Chris Albright had some defensive tackle questions, and I think we should just banter them. Um, I, I think they're good questions to bring up, given our conversation. Um, first, he says, uh, with what money or does someone restructure? Which you answered that. But, and then what's up with Stone Cold and an extension? Um, just curious kind of what you're thinking about the lack of news there, does that bother you? Do you think something's going to get done? Um, we know what it is. They're, they're waiting for Quentin Williams to sign. Okay, Jeffrey Simmons signed. You You're, think that's you think that's dependent? I, I just I think Chris I, Jones I, I, is I another do. world to me. I I hundred percent oh, is dependent. Quentin Williams is twenty five, the top five defensive tackle in the entire NFL. Yeah, it's dependent. Chris Jones is better. There's no denying it, but you have to take age into the equation as well. If you sign Quentin Williams to a five-year deal, you know you're probably getting his best five years right now. You sign Chris Jones to a five-year deal, are you getting how many elite seasons left? Three, four, maybe you're getting five, but then you're talking about an outlier of that situation. So I I understand where where there's a little bit of of question marks here. I I, I can understand that. You don't. I don't think it's going to happen. It's different than baseball. You don't want a Miguel Cabrera situation. You right. don't want a guy. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm saying you don't want that where you're paying top end dollar for the end of a guy's career. Um, I do think Chris Jones last year was the best defensive tackle in football. 
Chris Jones deserves to get paid, and he will get paid. But it's going to come down to Quinn and Williams, and then Chris Jones is going to get a dollar more or 10000 bucks more than whatever he gets. That's what it's going to come down to. That's my personal preference. That's my personal thinking. It's going to come down to whenever Quinn signs. Okay. Yeah, um, I'll be interested to see it. I, I, I don't know what I think. Honestly, I've been I I'm I don't want to say I've been burned because no one's like nothing personal to me or anyone else, but I've just heard the Chiefs say enough positive things about a contract extension with someone, Tyreek Hill, Orlando Brown. Now at this point, I just don't even care what anyone says. I don't believe him. I don't believe what anyone, you know, like when I hear Brett Veach and Andy Reid now say that. Lucas Niang is looking better than ever, and he's so ahead of track, and 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 they're excited to see what he can do. And then we signed Donovan Smith. I'm thinking, yep, that's exactly what it was. Um, so yeah, you know, who knows at this point? So all the good things, like oh yeah, we want to hear for forever. It's like yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. It's the show me state for a reason. Missouri yep. is a show me state. Show me. Don't tell me. This is not 1964 where you can get stuff done on a handshake and a talk. Some it's all to the NFL. It's all to the NFL. Their, their job is to is it to is. have some smoke screens and talk. You can't take them all at face value. Um, all right, tonight is tonight is the NBA draft lottery, my friend. Before we get to the end of the show and our muscles, and I'm dying to bring in Richard, our producer. But before we do, let me ask you this. Would you be in favor of the NFL adopting an NBA lottery type system for the draft? Yes. 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 Okay, good. It, it, part, part of it is it deters tanking. It won't yep. completely take it out. The NBA, you can attest, I was there when the 76ers won 10 games. Like I that's when I worked for the 76. I understand you'll never curb it out completely. Yeah. But to an extent, I think you can at least try i think this is a step in the right direction to curb tanking you wouldn't probably have lovey smith getting canned winning that final game of the season last year like you wouldn't be tanking for so and so tanking for caleb williams that's already a tagline this year the nfl draft lottery at least is some sort of deterrent they're doing it in baseball now and even as a guy who's a royals fan i think it's a good move i think it's a step in the right direction yeah i'm a fan i think that the nfl i think the nba draft lottery is one of the single greatest sporting inventions or ideas I've ever heard in any sport. I just think it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's totally awesome. And I've rooted for teams that should have had the first pick who lost it in some ping pong. Did they freeze the ping pong balls to, you know, to pick, I mean, like I'm, I'm here for, I'm here for all of it. I'm here for all of the, of the conspiracy theories about it, whatnot. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I think, it, I think it gets rid of tanking, or at least curbs that. I think it adds mystery. And you're telling me, you're telling me that the NFL would not love another thing to promote for two weeks of the offseason than a than a draft lottery. Imagine an NFL draft lottery. They would have like a whole week's worth of stuff about it. We'd be talking about the NFL even more than we do. I can't believe Roger Goodell's not already doing this. Yeah. It would, I think, solve a lot of issues. Yeah. A lot of issues. Um, by the way, the NBA is so much different than the NFL. If you're a coach in the NBA and you won a NBA championship, there's no guarantee you're back. Bud, Coach Bud for Milwaukee, won a championship, gone. Monty Williams for the Suns, right? Went there a few times, gone. Crazy. Uh, Nick, uh, was it Nick Nurse with the Toronto Raptors? Went, won one with Toronto. He's gone. Frank Vogel won one with the Lakers during the COVID bubble year. He's gone. And he's, these are all guys that are back on the market after the firing of Doc Rivers uh, for the Sixers today. It, it's just – it's crazy. Well, I guess Doug Peterson, though, had the same thing happen with the Eagles. And a professional head coach is not as glamorous as you think it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it only makes what Andy Reid's body of work – resembles like that much more impressive it's just, it's amazing it's really amazing well hey we've come to the end of another show before we go though we always pause at the end of our podcast to recommend something of some kind to all of you uh the reason we do it is because we love to geek out and we also love to share whatever we're into richard are you there i'm here guys here's our beloved producer richard 
You can follow him at his Twitter handle, which is listed right there. Durante. Or follow him on the street of Chicago. You can follow or, him there like I did. Yeah, you can walk, you can follow me home. That's, Sterling, that's what Sterling you, did. You stayed at Richard's house. Oh, yeah. I stayed at his crib, dude. It's great. Right behind him. No, no, pause. Right behind where he's sitting right now. Yeah, like right here. Yeah, like right there. Right on the carpet. He actually just slept on the carpet. I didn't. Yeah, I, I don't need much. Bad he just back, curled up but... in a ball. I was like, it was like real sad. But I, was I like, did. I did right. about twelve spirals like a dog, and then really, I gave him a little toy. Yeah, it's, it's real nice. I don't need much, but I don't. <laughs> I love you. All right, Richard. Uh, what is your must list this week? All right. Uh, actually, t- to me, this is very normal. I I was looking for a movie, something to to play in the background while I did chores, a chore movie I like to call them, and I ended up just putting down everything Chubies. I was doing. Right, exactly, a chubby. I put down everything I was doing to watch because I was enjoying the uh, that new Dungeons and Dragons film. I think it was really fun. Oh. It sounds really insane to say that. Like I, I kind of ignored it when it was in theaters. I haven't watched a movie in theaters in a while, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. More, it was funnier than it was a fantasy film. So let me just say, it's a fantasy. It's a comedy fantasy film. Really well written. Really, uh, it had like a just a nice way of like taking everyone's story and just giving it a nice conclusion, which that 2000s movie never did with Marlon Wayans. I was a, a weird fan of that as a kid because I had a bad taste in film. So I, I used to love that one because of Marlon Wayans, but it's an awful film. This one really, uh, <laughs> took the, yeah, this one really made it, made a better, uh, you know, made a better film out of the Dungeons and Dragons property. So yeah, check it out. It was fun. It's silly. It doesn't, you know, it's just two hours of your life that you don't feel like you wasted. Don't do the chores either. I, I like it. I yeah, like it. Check it out. Uh, are you guys into Andrew Bird? He's cool. He's a good singer songwriter. I know the name. Man, I know the he, name. I don't. I don't know if I know him or like what all he's in. If it's just him. I um. I first got an Andrew Bird album back in 2005. It's called The Mysterious Production of Eggs, uh, which I still think is his best album. Mm-hmm. But even up to like last year and 2019, the dude was putting out like incredible album. I'm mean, like, in other words, he's got 20 years of great albums. If you've never heard him, he's he's. He holds a violin and he whistles as like a primary instrument. Like he'll sing and then whistle in the microphone. Like it's like a real instrument, not like, not like Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy whistling or something. It's like, and he'll, so he loops all his stuff. He'll like, he'll play his violin like an electric guitar or something. And then he'll loop that and then he'll play some fiddle and then he'll whistle and loop that into, and he does this whole thing and He's incre- He's absolutely incredible. He's mesmerizing live. He did like a whole tour with like the the orchestra in every major city um, that I was able to catch. And like uh, in Tennessee, was amazing. Um, anyway, if you've never heard Andrew Bird, he had a great song called Sisyphus just a couple albums ago. Richard, you're nodding your head like you know at least know something what I'm talking. about. I agree about. with the eggs one. As soon as you said mysterious production of eggs, I was like, yeah, that's like the only album I've ever listened to, and that was from 2005. So I was in yeah. high school and I was into Andrew Bird for for a second. Yeah. Does he, does he whistle like a bird? He yes, no. He's a little no, soft bird. Yeah. It's like a full throated whistle. You're like, wow, I didn't I didn't know uh, I didn't know someone could like whistle that bit, and it sounds like so nerdy or weird or something, but it's like completely captivating and mm-hmm. and the songs are like accessible and experimental all at the same time anyway killer i've, I've seen him live like four or five times i've like so i'm play like um austin city limits and yeah anyway he's yeah he's great just for you i made a note andrew bird i'm gonna check that dude out i'll yes. check him out uh mine is iron maiden i absolutely love iron maiden and this is being brought back up again because i am so sick and tired of the fact they're not in the rock and roll hall of fame that's this is, crazy this that's is the most right? asinine that's uh, crazy it, it's it's beyond befuddling it makes me angry like it honestly makes me angry i love iron maiden they're one of my top three favorite bands of all time what? they're they're a uh, they laid the groundwork for a lot of today's you know new metal um not new metal with it in you, but in EW metal, experimental metal, what, what they have done is continuously evolved and seeing like Cindy Lauper and then half a wham, half a wham is going to get into the rock and roll hall of fame before iron maiden. It's absurd. Oh, this man. is absurd. I love Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow went to Mizzou. Cheryl Crow should not be in the rock and roll hall of fame before damn iron maiden. This is frustrating. It's infuriating. I'm angry. I'm livid. I'm earth. They have my ire. What the hell, Cleveland? Get your shit together. It's weird. It's I'm surprised that they're not in. I like 
I can't believe that like Bruce Dickinson is not a member of the Hall of Fame is is weird. It's absurd. It's asinine. I honestly, I, I don't understand it. It, it. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has become this whole thing where it's like, well, let's let's add these bands from the other genres. That's great and all. How about add one of the cornerstones of freaking rock and metal? Literally, Iron Maiden is one of the pillars, and you're keeping the pillar out. I'm gonna go to Cleveland and 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 and, and, and protest and and give them a piece of my mind. Okay, give them that will, piece of your mind. Give. I love that phrase. I'm going to have them running to the hills, okay? And I'll tell you this. If they're going to die, they're going to die with their boots on. You know what, pal? It's two minutes to midnight. Oh, my gosh. My favorite Iron Maiden is probably Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. It's great. They're going to fear the dark after I'm done. I'm telling you, I, I am. Dude. Hey, by the way, what's the name? All those wasted years making those incredible albums. Dude. Okay, I'm done now. I'm done. Don't they have, like, like there's a character... Eddie. Is that his name? Is that it's I always Eddie wanted to get a name. Eddie the Ed. Because when you say it with a British accent, you take the H off. So it's Eddie the Ed. Eddie the Ed. Eddie the Head, but it's Eddie the Ed because okay. you know the, the, the British, ain't they? So you gotta right. take the H off. Right. Yeah. All right. Richard, what's your do you have Iron Maiden opinions, Richard? No, no, I agree. I've only listened to that one album. Isn't it just Number of the Beast? That's a good that album. That one album? Just that one album. It's great though. Like honestly, I mean I've listened to more of their stuff too beyond that. But I'm more of an album person, so like I don't I'm I don't listen you. to singles. I'll pick up an album. So I I know I knew that was the album to get for the most. So I picked that one up. It was um, rad. I dig it. I don't know why I haven't listened to them more, but I'm with you. That was that's really odd that they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's it's by the way, Tom Hood wants to know is Huey Lewis in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I hope so. My first concert ever, nine years old, Robert Stadium, Evansville, Indiana. Huey Lewis and the News, talking about the heart of rock and roll, is still beating. And from what I've seen, I believe him. Put him in the Hall of Fame. My girlfriend said, Please, can you stop shouting? It's it's kind of loud down here. Thank you. <laughs> so on that note, I think we need to get out. I I'm sorry, Natalie. That was me. That was me. That's my fault. I got heated about Iron Maiden. Wait, do uh, your do in order to take us out of the show? Sing Bruce Dickinson. Like give a tribute to Natalie. Like how would Bruce sing to Natalie? Like an apology. We're the trooper. Yeah, this is not going to happen. You you do not <laughs> want to hear me sing. Uh, never mind. You, you do not want to hear me sing Iron Maiden. You think I can hit those high notes? Are you serious? Yeah, I do. That's why they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and not me. Richard, let's hear it. I'm not going to try to do that right now. <laughs> Never mind. Take us out. This was the Arrowhead Addict Podcast with Richard, with Matt Connor, and myself, Sterling Holmes. Thank you guys so much for hanging with us, so much for listening to us. Thanks for hanging around for our must list where we act and give you guys just some some of the best stuff out there, quite frankly. Uh um, you know, I mean, seriously, that's it's kind of fun. We enjoy doing this, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. If you guys want to leave us a review, that does mean the world to us. That actually does help us a ton. Five-star review, any thoughts, any questions, anything you want answered, put it wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you guys so much. Until next Tuesday, we are out.